We're in a series called Battle Born, an Opportunity, Not a Death Sentence. And um, we're going to look at a few verses together. Here is 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. One more time, verse 33. Don't be ridiculous. I want to preach from the subject tonight, a ridiculous reality. A ri- Who said, let's go? I'm going to preach to you tonight. A ridiculous reality. Uh, find someone, preferably that you don't know, so you can introduce yourself to them and just let them know, I am ridiculous. Can you tell them that? I am, I am ridiculous. I am, I am, I am ridiculous. A ridiculous reality. Father, in Jesus' name, increase our faith now as we go to your word. Uh, we're listening, so speak clearly, I pray, and give us a word tonight in season um, that will shape and that will not only shape our life, but direct the trajectory of our life. Holy Spirit, we're listening. And so I pray that um, you would be glorified in this moment. I decrease, I pray that you would increase as we preach. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. So, so last week, if, if you weren't here, by the way, uh, we're on podcast and, and we have a YouTube channel as well. I really do want to encourage you to go to last week's message and listen to it, it's, to it in its entirety. But let me just give you some some bullet points really quick before we get into new material. Last week, we talked about life is about choices, that uh, life is all about choices, and really, we are the product of our choices. As Dr. Charles Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% our response, that we don't always choose our fights. We don't always choose our battles, and though we don't always choose our fights, there are moments that we're going to have to choose to fight, that we don't always choose our storms, but we're going to have to trust Jesus in the midst of the storm, that we don't always choose the challenge, but we can stand in the midst of the challenge and we can see God do something incredible through our lives. So we said it like this on the screen, you don't choose your giants, usually your giants choose you. When David woke up that morning and fought Goliath, he had no idea he was going to fight Goliath. He was serving his brother some bread and some cheese. On that day, he did not pick a fight with Goliath. Goliath picked a fight with him. On that day, David did not know that his life would be different forever. And I just want to challenge you again. Do not live your life as a victim to your circumstance because of the fight you've been given, but rather trust God in the fight, choose to fight, and believe that you are going to be elevated on the other side of this challenge. So let me, let me just define the giant for you again. This is my definition, but here is my definition of a giant. A giant is the thing the enemy has assigned to distract you, discourage you, and deter you from inheriting everything God has for you. So Jesus has this John 10, 10 life. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Uh, Not life struggling, but it's an abundant life. 
It's not a just enough life, it's a more than enough life. It's, it's not a half empty or half full life, but it's a Psalm 23 life. My life or my cup runneth over. It is a life of abundance. It is a life of prosperity. It is a life of supernatural peace. I'm not talking about a perfect life because life has its challenges, but it is a life of overcoming. That's why we are more than conquerors because there is a life, there is a place, there is a destiny and a destination that God wants to bring you to. And so Hebrews 4 says there is a rest for the people of God, that there is literally a Sabbath day that we can live in. There is a promised land that we can live in. There is a place that God has for us. But for every promised land, there is a giant. Or maybe it would be more encouraging for, for you to hear it this way. For every giant, there is a promised land. And so if you're facing a giant today, just know there's a promise on the other side and it is a good place, it is a good land in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? The psalmist said it like this, Lord, the boundary lines that you have drawn for me, they are good and they are pleasant. I'm telling you, there is a good life that God has for you. And I know that makes a lot of people nervous, especially church people. Because you think you're just supposed to suffer for the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's just religious jargon that we've heard for years and years and years. But in reality, here's what the Bible said. It said it in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 60, that in the last days, the earth is just going to get darker and darker. Oh, but there's going to be a light that shines, that as the earth is getting darker and as the world is getting darker, come on, the church is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs that the path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter, that the world of the generous is getting larger and larger. The life that God has for you is is extremely blessed. It is a life of overflow, but giants come to distract, to discourage, and to deter you from walking in everything that God has for you. And so today I want to talk about a ridiculous reality, and here's what it's going to take. Number one, a ridiculous reality requires courage over worry. Courage over worry. David rocks up on the, on the giant and he looks at Saul and he says, don't worry, I can fight him. I got this. Why can David say that? Could David say that because it wasn't scary? No, it was crazy. This is, David is a, is a teenager and Goliath is a nine foot tall giant. The, the situation was scary, but David refused to let fear in his heart. David refused to worry. The reason David could say don't worry is because worry is a choice. Worry is something that you allow in your heart. Worry is when the challenges on the outside are trying to get on the inside. And David said, I refuse to let the giant that I'm facing, I refuse to let that spirit intimidate me and get in my soul. I refuse to worry. That's why Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. Why can Jesus say not to worry? Because he knows it's a choice. He knows it's an emotion that you can reject. And there are going to be times in your life that the situation is big and the situation is intimidating. And yes, even scary. But you can have courage in the midst of it and you can choose courage over worry. Here's what courage uh, literally means translated. It means this, the ability to do something that frightens you. 
Anyone ever been scared of something? Anyone afraid of public speaking? Anybody? Okay, here, let's start right over now, okay. I'm looking for a message in tongues, an interpretation. No, okay, no, 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 we're not going to do that. They say that the number one fear in our society is public speaking above death. That means that people would rather die (laughs) than get up here and do what I'm doing. (laughs) David said, don't worry. Saul said, don't be ridiculous. Listen, you're either going to be a don't worry person or a don't be ridiculous person. You're either going to be a David or you're going to be a Saul. And if you're not being accused of being ridiculous, maybe you don't have faith. (laughs) Ridiculous means deserving of mockery. I always pray that City Light is ridiculous. I pray that my preaching is ridiculous. I pray that it stirs people up to believe God, but I always, I always pray I'm just edgy enough for a good amount of the crowd to go, okay, here goes the preacher again. <laughs> Today I was, I was telling the church in the 1145, I'm believing for a building and I'm believing for it for free. And I got like one kind of amen, but it was more like a <clears throat> amen, boom. <laughs> Jabin, don't be ridiculous. You know how many rich people live in this city that need a tax write-off? I mean, I don't know them, but I know they're here somewhere. They're up in the ridges over there. Come on, somebody. They're, they're, they're up there. Amen. Come on, somebody. Huh. Oh, Lord, bring them here, Jesus. Listen to me. I'm either going to be a Saul or a David. You're either going to be a Saul or a David. So listen, I choose to be courageous. I choose the ridiculous and I choose the life of faith. Faith will always look ridiculous. Courage will always be a rare commodity. Hope will always be unrealistic. But check this out on the screen. I want you to write this down. The miraculous and the ridiculous are always connected. Every time you see a miracle in the Bible, you see a ridiculous instruction from God. Every miracle is attached to an instruction, and the instructions don't seem that crazy now because we have thousands of years of church history, and we've read it since we were little kids in Sunday school. But if you can just put yourself in their shoes, it was ridiculous. Hey, Noah, build a boat. What's a boat? (laughs) It's going to rain. What's rain? Abraham, build an altar. Isaac, sow in a time of famine. Naaman, dip in the Jordan seven times. Elisha, dig ditches and break the drought. Widow, gather vessels for oil. Servants, fill the pots with water. It's going to turn into wine. This is ridiculous, people. Hey, there's 5,000 hungry people. Separate them into groups of 50. Why, Jesus? Because I said so. Roll away the stone and then I'll raise Lazarus from the dead. Do something ridiculous and watch God do the miraculous. Listen, I understand because I can see it on y'all's faces that there are so many times that I'm up here preaching and you're just like, it's like a nervous smile. Like, we love you because you make us laugh, but you're an idiot. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like, we love Goldie. Amen. Come on, so you know it's true. But you're ridiculous, preach. That's, my, that's our kid. Amen. Serve. You want, you, want me to, you want me to serve? 
You want me to tell people where to sit during church? You want me to be a host? I understand the attitude that's connected to that because I'm the one who's always given the attitude. Now you want me to, you want me to tell people where to, you, you want me to go park, help park cars out there for, for free in the summer when it's 4 million degrees outside? You, you want me to, uh, preacher, this is ridiculous. You want me to go help in kids' ministry? Jabin, this is my one hour of free child care a week. What are you talking about? You want me to go serve in it? Come on, Jabin, don't be, don't be ridiculous. You, you want me to go to Wednesday night prayer? Like, like on a, like Jabin, I'm already here. Come on, Sunday night, dog. I'm already giving you one night. Wednesday night prayer for the month of January. You want me to come here at seven o'clock for an hour? You want me to just pray? What are we going to talk about for an hour? I don't even know what to pray about for an hour. I don't even know what, what are we going to do for an hour? You, Wednesday, come on, don't be ridiculous. You want me to tithe? Homie, I'm already giving my gym membership $40 a month, and you know I ain't visited there in six months. You want 10, 10% of our income plus an offering? Uh, you know, your voice just keeps getting higher. You know what I'm saying? Plus an offering. You, you want me to forgive my enemies? You want me to bless those who curse me? You want me to be nice to those who have been ugly about me? You want me, to, you want me to be sweet to people who I know are talking about me? You want me, come on, Jabin, don't be ridiculous. I mean, come on, this is like, this is a little extreme. I mean, you want me to love my wife? Do you know who I'm married to? You want, you want me to be sweet to my husband? Are you sure? Do you really? You want me to fight for my marriage? Come on, don't be ridiculous. You want me to, you want me to pray over my kids? I don't know what to say over my kids. The last time I tried praying over my teenager, they almost sliced my eyes out with their nails. What do you, I mean, come on, Javen. Don't be ridiculous. You, you speak in tongues? You're... Don't, oh, come on, don't be all fanatical. Like, don't be ridiculous. You want me to, you want me to run after a giant? Come on. Oh, but friend, every time you do the ridiculous, God always does the miraculous. And by the way, it looks ridiculous till it works. <laughs> one year ago, one year ago, we, we went to 26 different locations trying to start this church and everyone said no. And finally, Fest Middle School said yes. And we didn't want to go to Fest because I was saying, we're going to be in a high school. We're going to have a beautiful auditorium. Rah, rah, rah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I had all these prayer warriors going, God's going to give us a building. Ah, you know, and I'm like, yeah, in Jesus' name. And, and then the only person that said yes was Fest Middle School. And, uh, and they didn't even have an auditorium. We had to meet in a cafeteria. Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> ugly. Ugly. And then, and then you would walk in and it smelled like meatloaf <laughs> from Thursday but from 1996. <laughs> and, and I just kind of felt dumb. And then our first service, because we were so hyped about getting everything ready, we didn't realize it. But then in our first service, we realized that as I started preaching, the refrigerators were humming. And so I'd go, you know, Jesus has a plan for your life. And 
And as I'm preaching, I'm watching the whole front row texting each other, trying to figure it out. And they're texting, they're texting Justin in the back. Is there a hum in the sound? Is there something broken? What's, is it the bass? Is it the drums? Is it the guitar? Is it, and we didn't realize that it wasn't the sound system. It was the refrigerators. And for the next seven months, there would always be a hum of praise in our services. And I kind of felt ridiculous. And I, and I kind of just was going, Lord. Was that, were we supposed to do this? We left Orange County. We left Newport Beach. We were loving life. Life was good. Life was, we had a great, we were part of a great church. We were part of a great community. We were loving Jesus. I was traveling the world, preaching the gospel. We were in the largest churches in the world, preaching and having fun. And, and God is good and life is good. And now, and now it's, it's 4 a.m. wake up calls and we're going to the storage unit at 5 a.m. to load a U-Haul to pack it up in the middle of the winter to drive over to a middle school. And I'm just going, Jesus, did I miss you? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then, and then, and then we would walk up and all of a sudden there was 4 million bees because God bless, you know, our school system, but they couldn't pay for enough janitors. So trash wasn't getting taken out. So there was bees everywhere, bees everywhere. So me and Jay are running to Walmart at 6 a.m. And we're buying raid by the case. Come on. And we're praying and we're casting out demons and we're praying for service. And I'm going, Lord, let someone get saved today. Well, I'm praying. I'm like, we're shooting bees. We got really good at it. We could shoot bees 10 feet in the air. You know, I mean, we were, we got pretty good at it. And I'm kind of, Lord, this is kind of ridiculous. This is kind of crazy. But then something really weird happened. People started getting saved. Oh, wait. But, but people started getting saved in these metal folding chairs. Was anybody with us? Does anybody remember that you started feeling new bones on your backside that you didn't know you were there until you, oh, Jesus, oh, this chair. But people started getting saved, and people started getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and then people started getting healed, and then, and then, and then marriages started getting restored, and then people started getting water baptized, and then people started joining small groups, and then and all of a sudden, it didn't seem so ridiculous anymore. It, it kind of felt miraculous. And then out of nowhere in July, a prophet called me and he said, God's going to give you favor with buildings. Get ready. And I said, cool. And I hung up and I kind of didn't know what all that meant. And then the next morning, another guy calls me and he goes, we have a building on Warm Springs. Would you like it? I said, let me pray about it. Yes. (laughs) And then I went to the church and we thought, you know what? We're a young church. We're We're about 400 people maybe on a really good day and let's believe God for maybe $30,000. Maybe we can raise some money and we can move into this building and it just seemed ridiculous. So I went before you and I said, hey, we're believing God to move into this thing. I think we need to raise about 30,000 and we, we needed a lot more. We needed about 60 or 70,000, but I thought, man, let's just have a faith call of 30. And it was kind of already in my spirit, like whatever we don't hit up to 30, my wife and I are just going, are just going to give it because I was not going to go before the church and say, we brought in $21,000. like, we were going to hit 30. Come on, somebody. Like, if I had to put it on credit cards, no, just kidding. Financial Peace University. But you know what I mean? It was like, we're going to, like, we're going to hit 30K. You know what I'm saying? Frank just had a heart attack. Frank, it's okay. Frank's our Financial Peace University teacher. He's like, no credit cards. Okay. And so, so I'm like, we're going to hit 30. Like, we're going to hit 30K. We're going to have a win for the church. And then, and then that afternoon after church, uh, 
my wife's crying and everyone's crying and people are freaking out and everyone's freaking out. And, and y'all, you crazy people, because it was ridiculous, y'all are crazy. And you ended up giving $170,000. And so we moved in here and then we have all this money left over and we're saving that because we're preparing for our next building. And all of a sudden, the things that seemed kind of ridiculous a year ago, they started feeling really miraculous because if you're willing to do the ridiculous, God will always meet you with the miraculous. Can, does anyone know that to be true in their own life? But number two, a ridiculous reality requires faith over facts. Faith over facts. Uh, Saul looked at David. Saul is the king. He looks at this young teenager, David, and he goes, verse 33, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Saul said, you can't. Saul was being realistic. Saul knew the facts. David was about 5'5". Five five. Goliath was over nine feet tall. Saul had a, a scouting report on Goliath. He knew that Goliath had been a champion in war since his youth. So, so listen, Saul was right. <laughs> like there's going to be times that people are going to tell you something and they're right. Like it's the facts. Like, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Hand-to-hand um, -hand combat, no chance. Sword against sword, no chance. There was no way that David could possibly, like just Goliath's sword was so long that David would have never even been able to get near him. Goliath could have killed him from seven feet away. Like there was no way. So when Saul says, you cannot do this, Saul was actually right. And there's going to be times that you're going to hear voices that say, you cannot do this. And they're actually right. But listen, faith sees another way. Faith looks for possibility. Faith is not moved by what I see. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. There will always be an excuse and a justification to not do what you want to do, to not do what God's calling you to do, to not do what you know you need to do. There will always be an excuse and a justification to not take that step of faith. So I love this scripture in Ecclesiastes because I've, I've lived it. And I think a lot of you have probably lived this before, but God wants to set us free from this. Look what it says. Farmers who wait for perfect weather, they never plant. Like if you're waiting for the perfect circumstance to do the thing that's in your heart, you'll never do it. Like, what else do you need to take the leap? The life you want will require you leaving your comfort zone, period. And a lot of you want comfort and calling at the same time. It's impossible. Well, Jabin, you know, there's this thing in my heart, and I just know it's going to come to pass one day. I'm just waiting on the Lord. And God's going, homie, you're waiting for perfect weather. It ain't ever going to happen. Eventually, you, gotta, you just got to do it. You just got to take the step. You just got to make the move. You just got to start the business. You just got to 
pop the question. You just gotta, you just gotta do what you gotta do. Like eventually you just, if you're, if you're waiting on it to be perfect, it's never gonna happen. You know, I'm gonna start this business, man. It's been in my spirit since 1988. <laughs> and I just know 2028, man, that's gonna be when I'm gonna, I just know it. You know, we've been dating now for 47 years and uh, we're in love. We got 19 kids. I'm gonna pop the question here pretty soon. 2030, it's my year. I'm just saving up for a ring. Stop saving up for a ring and get married. Like, what else do you got to do? What, what, uh, there's always going to be an excuse, y'all. I'm going to start serving at church today, man. I just got to get a little less busy. You're not going to get less busy. <laughs> Someone's laughing like, oh, he got me, got me. <laughs> I'm going to start tithing. I just got to make a little more money. You're never going to make enough. Because the more money you make, the tithe looks bigger. <laughs> You're waiting on perfect weather. And it's not coming. Look what it goes on to say. If they watch every cloud, they're never going to harvest. Oh, man, if, you, if, if you're moved by the weather, come on, this week it was pouring rain. And now the sun is shining. And the clouds will come back and because, it's, because weather is constantly moving. If you're waiting on it to be perfect, it's never going to happen. Eventually, you have to choose faith over facts and faith over feelings. And you have to look at your life and go, okay, a sword, hand-to-hand combat, no way. But a slingshot? Oh, man. He's too big to miss. If I can just keep my distance, I got a shot. And so the Philistines are laughing and Israel's rolling their eyes <laughs> until that stone hit the forehead of the giant. And once they saw Goliath wobbling, everything changed. Listen, Saul could only see Goliath in one way, hand-to-hand combat. David saw the same issue a different way. Look, 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 look. You have to start seeing the same issues a different way. Same life, a different way. Same city, a different way. Same boss, a different way. Same career. I just need a new career. Well, maybe you're not going to have a new career right now. Maybe you need to look at the same career a different way. Same marriage, different way. Same kids, different way. Same opportunities, a different way. So a lot of you are praying for a new thing in 2019, and God's wanting to give you new vision. He's, he's, he's not wanting to change every circumstance. He's wanting to change these. Because if these don't change, and you get a new circumstance or a new situation, you just gonna mess that one up too. And so God's saying, instead of looking for a new thing, why don't you start getting a new vision? Isn't that what Elisha prayed for his servant Gehazi? Gehazi's going, we're in trouble. We're surrounded by an army. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him know that we're surrounded by the armies of heaven. Let him know that there's more that are for us than those who are against us. Elisha did not pray for the enemy to be, to, to, you know, to fall. He prayed for Gehazi to see. You gotta see the same thing a new way. See your business a new way. 
See, see your monthly income a new way. Stop just praying for more money. I'm trying to help somebody. I just need to make more. Probably we're going to pray for that. But, but why don't you look at the same paycheck a new way and see what you can steward better with what you currently have? And then maybe Jesus' words might actually be true, that if you're faithful with the little, he can make you ruler over much. And so maybe before God gives you more, he first wants to change how you see it. So Goliath could, I mean, Saul could only see it one way, but David was able to see the same thing a different way. Am I, I know I'm stepping on your toes, but am I helping anybody? Everybody say, ouch, ouch, ouch. Y'all don't even have to clap because I know you're mad at me. So let me say this. On October 20th, 1968, a 21-year-old engineering student named Dick Fosbury changed the high jump forever. At the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, Fosbury revealed the Fosbury flop. Using his engineering, uh, engineering know-how, he realized that if he jumped backward, upside down, it would get him higher for longer. That year, Fosbury won the gold, and the high jump has never been the same. Did Fosbury have athleticism? No. Just look at him. <laughs> Better genes? No. Was he the most likely? No. They actually made fun of him. You can go back and watch it. They made fun of him because he had two different shoes on. But did he have a gold medal? Yeah. Because he chose to see the same thing differently. And he had the advantage not because of more athleticism or more talent or more skill or better genes. He had the advantage because he was able to look at it just a little differently. And let me just tell you what faith is. Faith is creativity. Faith is creativity. Number three, I got to end. God's word. Come on, Jorge, come on up. God's word over man's opinion. A ridiculous reality requires God's word over man's opinion. So Saul says, don't be ridiculous. You're only a boy. But if you heard last week's message, you know, Acts 13, 22, God said, I have found David a man after my own heart. Saul said, you're a boy. But God called David a man. So you're gonna have to choose who you're gonna listen to. Man's opinion or God's word. You're going to have to choose to believe what God says about you, not what others say about you. And by the way, here's what's amazing. Saul called him a boy, but you'll find out in, in chapter 16 of, of this same book that, that um, Saul had been dealing with this demonic spirit. And so his assistant comes to him and says, hey, there's this guy named David He's a man of war and a musician. He's a lover and a fighter. No, notice this. Those who knew David called him a man of war. But Saul could not see him as a man of war. Okay, I'm going to help somebody. Because some of you are so desperate for approval from someone that does not have the authority and is not assigned to approve you. Okay, I feel like Dr. Phil, but let me help you. Because here's what you'll do. If David would have lived his whole life for the approval of Saul, 
he would have never received the approval from his heavenly father. And there are many of you that are waiting on approval from somebody that God did not assign to approve you. And you're missing out on the people who are in your life that are approving you. So you're mad at your ex, but your next is right here going, I think you're amazing. You're beautiful, you're awesome, you're talented, you're, awesome. you're incredible. We, I love you, I appreciate you, I see the gift of God on your life. You're awesome, but you're still mad because they didn't see it. Please, please don't waste your whole life. Please don't waste your whole life. Please don't waste your whole life trying to convince the unconvinced. Don't waste your whole life trying to get approval from an authority figure, a teacher, a pastor. An ex-spouse, a father, an uncle, an aunt, I don't know who it is, an older sibling. Don't spend your whole life trying to convince the unconvinced. Instead, look at the amazing people who are in your life that think you are awesome. Because what you'll do is you will look past the gift that is right in front of you. Saul might call you a boy, but God says you're a man. And there was actually people in David's life that also recognized the call of God on his life. I'm trying to help you. And, and, and by the way, we, we'll find out that Saul was, the reason Saul did this is because he was actually intimidated by David. Because as David starts getting exalted, Saul wants to kill him. You can't impress someone who's intimidated by you. Like the reason I can look at JR and be like, oh my God, you are fire. It's because I'm not intimidated by him. Because he's freaking unbelievable. So when he sings, I'm not like, well, does he have a better voice than me? I don't know. Turn his mic down. I'm like, turn him up. I think this whole worship team would, would, would tell you, I gassed them up so much. I'm constantly like, you are unbelievable. We are so blessed. You're amazing. Wow, you screwed up on that one song, but it's okay. God covered it. We're going to keep moving. Like, I don't even get mad because I'm not intimidated. So I'm easy, I'm easy to impress because I'm secure. I'm not trying to compliment. Now I'm gassing myself up. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Don't. You, you can't impress someone who's intimidated by you. So stop living your whole life to convince them because you'll waste necessary emotional energy on someone that cannot see. And you'll end up ignoring the people in your life who are in your corner. And I know you want that from Saul. But you'll miss it. And I think if David would have gotten that from Saul, it, it would have been a short time before he realized, this is not actually what I need. I actually need something deeper. I need something eternal. I need something from a heavenly father, not from a spiritual father. Hmm. And then David, and I, I know I just helped somebody. I don't know. I always know I'm, I'm doing really well when it gets super quiet because I know it's like, oh man, okay, he's talking to me. And so, 
the Bible said this, verse 34, David persisted. He said, no, 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 give me a shot. Give me a shot. Let me go after this Goliath. Now, let me tell you why we've entitled this Battleborn, an opportunity, not a death sentence. A de- death sentence. An opportunity, not a death sentence. Here's why. Because Goliath, in the Hebrew language, which is what this was written in, Goliath means to uncover, to reveal, to disclose, to reveal oneself or to make oneself known. Okay. Anytime you face the giant, you got to know this, that your giant is telling on himself. Your giant ends up revealing how small they are, how great your God is, and how anointed you are. Your giant is revealing that you are bigger on the inside than the Goliath is on the outside. Giants reveal our calling. Giants uncover our gifting. Giants make known our anointing. Giants cause me to discover that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It was the giant that put me on my knees, but it was on my knees that I met God. It was the giant that put me on my face, but it was when I was on my face that I didn't realize that God was elevating me. The, the only way that I can explain it is like whenever you're, you're in a battle, you, you hate it, you're rebuking the devil, you're casting out demons, you're praying, you're fasting, you're believing God, and you're, and you're so mad because in the season of the fight, you hate it. When you're in the valley of shadow of death, you hate it. You're complaining about it. You're mad about it. And I get it. It's all justifiable. But what you don't know is as you're staying faithful and as you're believing God and as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and as you're standing true, what you don't realize because you're so in it and you're so distracted, what you don't realize is that God's elevating you. And you didn't even know it because you were just believing God and you were just staying faithful and you had a ridiculous reality and you were a man of faith, you were a woman of faith. You're believing God, you're pressing in a community, you're in the word and you're, and you're on your face so you don't even realize that while you're on your face, while you're going lower, God is actually taking you higher and you didn't realize it but then you come out on the other side, you come out on the other side and you realize, I just went from glory to glory. I just went from faith to faith. I just went from strength to strength. I didn't even know it because I was on my face. But while I was on my face, the hand of God was lifting me up. And so the giant was actually an opportunity for promotion. Without Goliath, I'm just a shepherd boy with a guitar. But with the Goliath, I am a king. And y'all want authority without a fight. But it doesn't work that way. Sorry. But if you'll stay faithful and you'll believe God, without you even knowing it, you don't even have to pray for promotion. It just kind of happens. And your authority grows. Your anointing grows. Your calling strengthens. It was when I faced my Goliath that I discovered who God is. It was when I faced my Goliath that I discovered how small the enemy is. And it was when I faced my Goliath that I realized how anointed I was. So this current struggle is not a death sentence. It's an opportunity for promotion. Father, give us the faith and the courage 
to believe you. Give us the faith and the courage to have a ridiculous reality. To see life your way, not just our way. Strengthen us. I believe there are so many massive things you have in store for us this year. So Lord, do something in us. We choose not to worry and we choose not to fear. We remember Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And even as David said in Psalm 23, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we choose not to worry and we choose to believe God. Choosing calling over comfort, faith over fear, courage over discouragement. We choose creativity. We choose to see this thing a different way. So strengthen your people, I pray.